That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, I will say I think maybe my first border trip as a reporter to do border stories was 10, 12 years ago at CBS News. The wall that I saw, or the fencing, is totally different than when I first went there. It used to be this, I call it corrugated metal. It looks like crinkly sheets of metal and was not very effective, apparently. That's now been replaced with these giant, fancy things. You, you have some visibility you can see through. It almost looks like rusty metal, but it's not rusty. It's designed to look, look this way and be this way, but it's very strong steel of some kind. And then, as you said, many sections they've extended. I forget how many more feet, maybe another 12 feet on top of the height that used to be there. And then one of the biggest differences, which you mentioned, when I was here some years ago, I asked a Border Patrol agent who was showing me along the fencing or the wall, I said, why isn't there barbed wire? Because people were climbing over easily, driving over with ramps, climbing over, whatever. He said, well, we're told we can't put up barbed wire because it might hurt somebody, which seemed so crazy at the time to just an ordinary person not used to what happens at the border. Now on this trip, we saw rolls and rolls of Constantino wire. That's what's called. Yeah, I guess it's a little different than razor wire, but it looks looks kind of the same. It's intended to catch your clothes, slow you down type thing. And that was a big change because there was a little bit of that when I, when I visited before, but now there are just big rolls of it, sometimes triple rolls of this. And, and I'm sure that has made some kind of difference. And there was also one little section that we saw, which I thought was really interesting, that where they painted it white. Um, and, and I think the reason was that because it would show up better that people were kind of using it as people coming across. And so they had, which I, in some ways is kind of ingenious, that, that this one little section was right near um, a very urban part of the wall. Um, because when they crossed, border, yeah. they have been, um, they now look like military people because they wear the illegal traffickers and human traffickers often wear camouflage. And they're outfitted, we're told, by the cartels that control the border and the movement across it. So it's hard to see them climbing against, you know, the fence. They kind of know how to blend in. So there's the white wall where they really stand out. But what did they tell us about that? They learn pretty quickly. Well, if you paint the wall white, they're now going to wear white to cross. So it's not like there's a permanent answer. It was just sort of a clever attempt to try to see them, but they said the cartels adapt. They're very motivated. They yeah. adapt very quickly. And those outfits are actually, I, I was fascinated by that. They're, it's camouflage. They wear booties over, like, their shoes. So they, they call don't, those carpet booties. Yeah, so they don't, and that, the reason for that is so they don't show f- footprints. 
um, and they, and because law enforcement uses footprints to try to go after these people once they've crossed the border. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. Um, they'll, they've camouflage if they're carrying backpacks of drugs, they'll camouflage that as well. Um, I mean, the, there's I think the I think that big point along with people going outside to other parts of the parts of the border um, is that you know in talking to people there's really there's a real uh, will behind uh, members of the cartel and people coming across um, and they're getting creative. One of the things I bet you may have found surprising because I have in the past it happened again this time. We were with federal agents as they track down people who cross. So the technology may see illegal immigrants or drugs coming across. And I used to think, so catch them, right? That's, you know, that's the easy part, the technology seeing them. Catching them is really hard once they're here. They hide in bushes and brush. It's very dangerous. It's hard to see exactly where they went. So these guys and women, they do sort of like you see in the movies. They like almost sniff the air and they look for footprints and follow things like you see detectives do, like in the 1950s. That's the technology once these people come over and they know they're in the area and they have to figure out where they are. So we followed in one neighborhood where they knew somebody had crossed. They were looking for his footprints. They kind of had narrowed down to where he had last been seen. Remember that? that yeah, was... and then they... they... You know, they probably had about 10 officers out there looking for him. Um, and finally, they caught him. They caught him in a tree. Um, and they, but they were really just, you know, looking, hunting, you know, looking at footprints. Um, it was, it was, it was really, it was almost like a wild goose chase. It was. And they said that they learn things like a lot of times they find themselves looking down, but you need to look up. Sometimes they're hiding on the roof of a house or in this case, a tree. And this guy, We'll have this on a future episode of Full Measure, not not this week, but this will be coming. This particular man that they caught was cut up. We thought, you know, he climbed the fence, and we thought maybe he'd gotten perhaps his hands cut up in that Constantino wire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he may be a bad guy. Like, we don't really know the history, but it's it's sad. Like, I, I felt sorry for him. He, he cooperated. He was obedient once they captured him. And he was bleeding, and they attend to him. I mean, the medical care these people get um, from the Border Patrol agents and whoever's you know, there to attend to him, they re- they're really good at them. They give them water, they give them food, they give them medical care. But he was crying. I don't, did you see that? Yeah. So he was sitting there while they were taking care of his hands, kind of with his head down, and tears were just dropping off of his eyes. Now, again, it's easy to sort of imagine a story about him where he really needed to be there and how sad this was. On the other hand, who knows the truth if he's working with cartels and moving drugs and people. But, um, yeah, it was just interesting to be there for that. Then we were there when they captured, actually, a guy that wanted to be caught. A couple nights later, we were in the desert. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we were with a team that kind of tries to help you know, they, you talk about the care. They try to help people that they know are coming over. It is a desert, and yet well, they yeah, don't come. They don't come with water. There's federal officials. I don't right. know if people know this. That are dispatched, and all they do, we pay tax money to have these federal officials take care of the illegal immigrants who come across and need care because they get hot and they get tired and they get sick. Yeah, and so we we came across this guy that was literally sitting on the side of the road. His shoes were off. His jacket was off. Um, and he was he was waiting to be captured uh, or, or caught um, by federal officials, 
He'd um, given up. He was he, with yeah. the group, but he'd just given up. Yeah, he'd given up, and he clearly was dehydrated and hungry. Um, and uh, you talked to him. I mean, it was, it was interesting. Well, let's describe where we were, because you say he was beside a road, but it, this I wouldn't even call this a road. This was like a dirt path, path on the way to a <laughs> camping area in the middle of nowhere. So there's nothing. that He's lucky, really, anybody came along. And he said the blisters on his feet were so bad. And he, what was interesting, he told us, he had just crossed over there a few weeks before, had crossed in illegally, had been given a court date, sent back to Mexico to wait, but decided he couldn't wait. He wanted to work, so he came again, but he broke off with from a group that he was with because he just couldn't go on. And it was pretty hot. I'm sure it gets hotter, but was it was it 100 degrees that day, do you think? Yeah, or low 90s maybe. I mean, so, you know, for them we were, to, we were there in the evening, but during the day, yeah, it gets really hot. And for him to be as far as they have to walk without... You know, they can't carry enough food and water to make that trip. So, yeah, he was happy to be found by the group and tended to and fed, and then they took him away. I guess, I don't know if they'll give him another court date or what happens to him the second time. Yeah, I thought the humanitarian aspect of it was also was interesting. It's not just law enforcement and trying to, you know, get capture people that are coming across for whatever reason. Um, they are mindful of... The human aspect of this. Well, and that's been the same way the times I visited. There's so much in the media about sort of the cruelty and horrible aspect of how they're treated, and I've never seen that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. There's not anomalies. But every, everything we saw was the exception. And even we spoke to one woman that we found at a refugee center who had jumped the fence that morning with her disabled son. And unprompted, we didn't see it happen, but she just mentioned she had been very well treated by immigration officials on this side of the border, and she was very grateful. I think that is more often the case, and people would be surprised to know how much money and time we put into treating medical care, food, shelter, help, assistance of all kinds for the people that come in here illegally. Yeah, that and that place you mentioned, I mean, I, I think is also um, something that was eye-opening for me is that there are charities that are out that are in Arizona and I'm sure in other part, other states that along the border in Texas and California and other areas where um, people are really just trying to help so yeah we went into a refugee center you found these this group that yeah. let us in I don't think they always let reporters in yeah it was tough but you did a good job t- telling them we just want to show and see what happens well this is all charitable all volunteers used to be that when they would pick up families and people and set them loose. They would just drop them off at a bus station waiting a court date, and the people have no money. They don't speak English. They don't know what to do. So these volunteers have stepped forward and processed and helped thousands and thousands of people in this. What what city were we in? This was in Arizona too, right? Yeah, we were in Tucson. Tucson. So just in this one area alone, I think they said they had done you know ten to fifteen thousand people in a pretty short period of time. Yeah, it's med- They get medical help. Food, water, clothes, diapers, diapers, toiletries, Um, and then not only that, they get help trying to figure out where to go next. On the bus tickets, booking bus bus tickets, right? Um, And they can spend a few nights there. um, And it's families in need, but also I was amazed at the organization of the local people in Tucson. How organized they were! I mean, there were volunteers just streaming in. You know, while we were there, we were there a couple hours, and there was there, there continued to be streams of volunteers serving dinner, checking people in, helping with you know, sanitary needs, medical needs. It was really amazing. 
Yeah. So we will have, um, if you're listening to this podcast shortly after we record it, we have a related story on this Sunday's Full Measure. You can look at it, fullmeasure.news, if you miss it on television. We called it Desert Eyes. It's the in-depth story about that surveillance system we described that they're using in Cochise County, Arizona, because I, I just think that's so fascinating. And we'll have more border stories um, at Full Measure in this season as we progress and more podcasts about things like this. It's great to be with you again, Cheryl. This is this podcast is, what is it, the fastest moving, fa- or, sorry. <laughs> the fastest growing. Fastest growing podcast. Yeah, because when you start at zero and you get any number, it's the fastest growing. So I could, I think we can genuinely say it's the, one of the fastest growing podcasts out there. Right, and leave Cheryl a review, because yes. that always helps, and spread Share the word. Share with your friends, subscribe. So it's Full Measure After Hours, and I also have a, if you love original reporting and ideas, I also have the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. So spread the word. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you, Daniel. Great to be with you. Do your own research, make up your own mind, and think for yourself. Welcome to another Full Measure After Hours podcast, back again by popular demand with the popular investigative producer, Daniel Steinberger, who's with me again. I can't believe you're letting me back on the show. It's Love great to be having, with you again. You, you are a favorite. Oh, People wow. are demanding more from Daniel Steinberger. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And the reason they're getting more this week is because we're going to talk about the trip you and I took to the border. I've made a lot of reporting border trips to the southern border where really we just go and try to find out what's going on. We don't say this is the kind of story we have to have. We want to hear from officials and residents and ranchers and law enforcement what's going on down there. We always come back with fascinating stories. So this time, we're talking about one county in Arizona. I was going to say a small county. I think it's 6,200 miles. Yeah, square miles. Yeah. Square miles. It's not super populated, but they've been overrun by drugs by their own account for like the better part of three decades. This is a really popular corridor for moving drugs in from the south. And we went there because they have tried a brand new program that they've been able to do successfully without federal funding, without expanding the wall, without hardly any personnel. And it's been really effective. So we thought this was really worth profiling. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really eye-opening. I, I had never been to that part of the country right along the border um, it, first of all, it's, it's a beautiful part of the country. I mean, you, there's there's mountains, there's desert, um, but I also think it was eye opening in terms of seeing what's actually there in terms of a border. Well, I was going to ask you that because yeah. having not been there, and I'd say probably most Americans will never walk along the southern border or visit a border town, so you may hear something of it. But what was different for you when you got there and saw? Yeah, I mean, we saw lots of different parts of the border. We saw where there was a really fortified wall. We saw checkpoints or, you know, or border cro- official border crossings. Um, we saw different, just different areas of just different parts of the border where there, there, there is a, a great deal of, of the wall. They've added stuff to the wall. Um, but then there's also just like vehicle barriers or six, you know, six barbed strands wires, of wire strands of wire. That have been um, cut through. You can see them walking. You know, and there are even walk. parts, like, we, we took a helicopter, and there are even parts of it, like, into the mountains where there's really nothing, um, which, I, which I I didn't know that. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is part of the philosophy has been, and President Trump has said the same thing, we don't need 
a wall from end to end because there are natural barriers like mountains and rivers that make it hard for people to cross. But what we learned, especially from our helicopter ride with Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels, is, hey, the drug cartels, they're very motivated. It may look like it's hard to get up through these mountains, but they do it because that's where you know they, they can get across. So that's where this new program comes into play. Do you want to just give a thumbnail sketch, first of all, of what it entails? Yeah, so Cochise County Sheriff's Department basically took this into their own hands, and they are using um, what are really gaming cameras. I think they know. call them like Buckeye cameras. Yeah, they're called is, Buckeye cameras. Is that the, the brand name? Yeah, or? that's the brand, and they're basically gaming cameras. They're little cameras that you would use like for hunting or for other for animals on your property or I guess there are a lot of lot of reasons you could use it um, and they've in, embedded them in different areas where there are where there isn't federal surveillance um, and you know we went down into the washes and into uh, gully areas and really um, areas that are not um, the, you know they the sheriff I think told you that the federal cameras are really on a lot of high points, and they've now inserted cameras in sort of low areas, um, well, so as well as other areas as well. Let's explain that a little bit. So, yes, there is a lot of technology now that the federal government has put up with cameras. They have ground sensors that are in the ground that can tell. Well, they may not know if it's an animal or a human, but they can tell if there's motion coming across. The problem is, again, according to Sheriff Daniels and others, the cartels quickly learn all right, this is where they can see us. So they started traveling through these gullies and washes where the surface cameras don't see them, and that's what gave these guys, these agencies, sheriff's officials who work the ranch land there, the idea that we need to see in these gullies where they travel, and that's where they you know, strategically place these game cameras. I think they have 500 of them approximately in the county. They don't cover that much area, but it's important they're being put in really crucial places where they know that traffic comes across. Right. And basically, so once the camera sees something, it can be an animal or a human, um, it takes a still picture and, and sends it um, to the officers out there, the sheriff's department out there um, on their on their cell phone. And then they can know where it is, know which camera it came from, and they can try to go out and try to go get them and, and work with fly, customs. Yeah, fly so. out or mobilize federal officials sometimes to help. But what's important is I think they said they had no more than six agents administering this program, six sheriff's deputies, a yeah, couple of them. Even four, I think. Well, four, and then yeah. I, I right, believe if you other. count that right. they have a couple of guys that help them. But right. if, any way you look at it, we're talking about like four or five people that have, by all accounts, been able to almost shut down a 13-mile drug corridor compared to what it was just two years ago with this simple technology, which is really amazing when you think about it. And they did it because, in part, let's talk a little bit more about the wall. Everything President Trump has tried to do with shoring up the border has been met with legal challenges, which has tied a lot of it up in court. And I interviewed the acting director of USCIS, Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, this week, who talked about they are typically successful when these court challenges against these border initiatives go all the way through. They have been winning almost all of them except the Sanctuary City one. But it takes so much time, and that's why I think these cities and counties, most of which are very tough and strong on border enforcement, that's why they have to think up these things on their own. And I think even they were surprised in Cochise County that the impact that these few cameras had. And then we interviewed 
one of the ranchers who, by his own count, has had hundreds of thousands, think about this, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants over the decades stopped on his property and caught. And he now says the drug traffic has slowed to pretty much nothing because of the cameras. I think he says he has 20 cameras hidden on his property yeah. now. And he welcomed the cameras, which I thought was really interesting as well, that the partnership between the sheriff's department and ranch owners down in that area. Um, he welcomed the cameras, and he said, I think, in he had a 15-mile corridor, I think, in his area or his property. I mean, he, he owned a lot of property that in about six months, they, these cameras made a huge difference, and, and they're not coming through his property anymore. Now, what do these? What does this illegal traffic do to the ranchers? Because most of this is ranch land privately owned along the border. They partner with, you know, federal officials in many respects because they cut the wires. So if you have cattle and livestock and animals and illegal immigrants come across your property every day and they cut through all these fences and barbed wire that's on your property, well, the animals get loose and they get into different fields and the fences have to be repaired. They come up to the houses. Um, John Ladd, the rancher, told us that pretty much every vehicle he's had has been stolen at some time or another. He has to drive around, he feels, with a gun in his vehicle because he runs up across sometimes illegal alien criminals who are armed. He's had his parents, who were living on the property, wake up to find illegal immigrants in their living room, you know, sleeping or needing help or asking for something. It's, it's really quite a problem uh, for the ranchers and the people who live there, so why it's so important for them. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the wall, though. We were trying to get an idea of the truth, because it's often reported that President Trump has done nothing in terms of building a wall, and maybe some stuff, residual stuff was done that Obama started. And then it's been reported, on the other hand, that, oh, there's all kinds of wall being built. And so it's hard to know the truth. And I did talk to Acting Secretary Cuccinelli about this, which I'll talk, talk about you with you more in just a moment. But let's talk about what we saw and observed, first of all. Well, we definitely saw there in certain areas they are extending the height of the wall, um, and adding, I guess, other steel to that. Um, and they're using a lot of razor wire um, of some sort uh, and kind of reinforcing that behind. And they've added that to large sections um, of, the, of the, the existing wall. So we definitely saw that. Um, and that was interesting. I mean, I think in some ways that probably is making a small difference. Um, that was our sense in talking to people. Um, and again, but, but also what I thought was really interesting was the, the, there were lots of parts of that area that just don't have anything. Right, still. 